we established Monday, when you explore space, eventually, if everything goes according to plan, you do not end up lost in On a the... spirit journey to find George Clooney. No. You, you end up in a planet. <laughs> or at least some planet. An mm-hmm. asteroid, a like hard, flat surface with preferably some gravity. Some gravity. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought um, of that one just now. I didn't even plan that. So now that you've lost respect for all of us, my name's Coco. Uh, <laughs> I'm and this, Jonathan. And Jonathan and Emily is here as well, despite our best interests. <laughs> and we're here to talk to you about what happens in board games when you go to space and land on stuff. Mostly what you do is you score victory points. That's kind of what it's all about. Well, Great. Episode over. See you next week. <laughs> Some of the most popular games that we wind up getting to the tables at Snakes and Lattes when we're uh, talking about Alien Worlds. Uh, Alien Frontiers gets a ton of use. I love Alien Frontiers. I mean, it's it's the same sort of weight class as something like Lords of Waterdeep. It's one of those worker placement games where you take turns putting stuff it's on so useful spaces good. that do useful things. But in this case, your workers are dice. Oh, cool. So you got this great big planet in the middle of the board, and you got all these space stations around the outside. And all these space stations have little squares on them that are exactly the right size to fit one of your dice. So satisfying. So you take a bunch of your dice, you roll them, and then depending on what you roll, you can dock them at these different space stations and let you do stuff like collect energy and minerals and build things and get more ships and collect these alien artifact cards Mm -hmm. and so on. And the point of all of this, ultimately, is to put your little colonies on this planet. And every time you put a colony on the planet, you get a point. And if you have the most colonies in one particular region of the planet, you now have a cool special ability that you can use. And as long as nobody else has more colonies than you on that section of the planet, that special ability is yours. Cool. So... Simple concept, fairly basic execution, but it's it's a really good medium weight game that gives you a sense of trying to pro- well, you're exploiting the resources of this planet, this alien planet, which was inhabited a long time ago, but it's empty now, and all the sections of it are named for Golden Age science fiction writers. Like there's the Bradbury Plateau and the Van Vogt Plains and the Herbert Heinlein Crater, the Heinlein Crater, and the the Herbert Valley. And oh, that's nice. I like it. I don't know. As if it was formerly inhabited, I feel better. I feel better about it being vacant than I do about us like murdering all of its inhabitants and then exploiting its resources and, and naming it after a bunch of sci-fi writers. But mostly like white male. Oh yeah, entirely. Writers, like entirely. This is by, by by golden age, I mean the 1950s. Yeah. Where so, everybody um, that did anything of note was apparently a white man. There 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 were a few others, but we don't hear much about them mm-hmm. sadly. Uh, a lot of them are writing under pen names. But. So, Alien Frontiers Legacy, where I get to name the sections after, like, Ursula. And... Sweet. Sweet. Just okay. name the entire planet Ursula. Just like, <laughs> this is planet Ursula now, and the plateaus Octavia. are named after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So... Um, one of the things that really works well about Alien Frontiers is it does feel like this is another world and we're, we're, we're establishing a, present here, a presence here. We're mm-hmm. building this place up and we're uncovering these ancient artifacts and really using them to be able to sort of warp reality and change things to give an advantage to ourselves. Interesting. What I like about it too is something that's a little bit different from most worker placements where uh, all my workers are the same and they can all do the same thing mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of like, if there's an empty space for them I can put them there. In Alien Frontiers like all of these little spaces stations around this planet require different dice so different for, combinations yeah, of numbers, different yeah. combinations of numbers or even just like the one dice you know it's like sometimes you need pairs sometimes you need to put a dice that's bigger than the dice that that's like a higher value than the dice that was in front of it sometimes you need to do a sequence of like three in a row oh interesting yeah sometimes you need three of a kind so it's really 
it really sort of like adds an element of like resource management a little bit more so like you really have to sort of like plan for the possibility that you will just not have the dice to do the thing that you want to do right so So it's not like i've I've set my six dudes in this slot so that means every turn i'm going to pick up six of whatever it is Mm -hmm. exactly right and Mm -hmm. is it is it that the die determines the thing that i get or is it the efficacy of the thing that i get the die determines what options are available but sometimes both i mean there's one yeah there's one that's a um it's like an exchange post so there's Mm -hmm. two resources in here that you need there's like the yellow stuff and the brown stuff energy and matter yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and energy and minerals. And, and energy is much more easy to come across. Like there's one, there's a spot where um, you get as many energy. So like if you put like a one or a two, you get one. If you put a two, like a three or four, you get two. And if you put a five or six, you get um, three. Yeah. So and you, can, you park your big dice. Yeah. If you and you park big, your big dice there. You those there and you um, get, and you get more. But then um, the minerals are much harder to come by. So there's a little trading post where you can exchange your uh, energy for minerals at a rate of the dice you put down. So if you put so down a pair of ones, it's one to one. If you put down a pair of twos, it's two to two. Two to one, two to one, sorry. Yeah, so it does a really interesting job of sort of like not all dice are created equal. Like Mm. having a pair of sixes is super useful if I want to stock up on energy, but it's not super useful if I want to trade that in for some dirt, you know? Right. Interesting. It's about sort of taking advantage of what opportunities arise, Mm -hmm. which also feels kind of frontierish. My favorite alien world-based game has got to be Dune. If you hadn't guessed that already. It's, oh gosh. It's okay. So Frank Herbert has some objectionable ideas about genetic predetermination stuff. Whatever the the epic scope <laughs> and feel of the of, of the Dune story is so vast and sweeping and romantic, and it's 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 despite all these things, it's really hard for me not to to feel kind of reclaimed thinking about it. And the Dune board game, the original Dune board game, is in my opinion the greatest melding of theme and mechanics of all time. When you play as House Harkonnen, you feel like Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. You have all the traitors working for you. You have mm-hmm. so much treachery, so many vicious, evil, dirty tricks that you can use to swing things your way. You just can't help cackling. Love it. Um, Satisfying. When you play as the Bene Gesserit Sisterhood, you are so passive-aggressive. You're so controlling and manipulative. Mm. It you feel like a true puppet master cool. playing. So they're my favorite faction to play as. So uh, if you if you're playing it from the perspective of someone who is not a Dune fan or not a Dune knower, does it have the same appeal? Uh, not nearly so much so mm. because you can't properly appreciate just how well they've realized these factions, these um, these archetypal sort of uh, plans within plans within plans. Mm-hmm. Now it's still a very cool game. Mm-hmm. But being able to really get into it in that respect is, is, is to me, the, the true treasure of it. Right. And mind you, it's only based on the first book. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only book in the series you need to read. So... Controversy. <laughs> so if, I, if, uh, if I'm playing it without an ability to sincerely appreciate or as appreciate the theme as deeply as you do, mm-hmm. are the mechanics still interesting? They very much are. Uh, what you have is a fairly basic area control game okay. in which you've got uh, this planet, which is extremely hostile. This planet is trying to kill you. It is mm-hmm. a desert planet with unbelievably lethal local fauna. Uh, it also is the only source in the universe for this incredibly valuable substance called the Spice. 
the spice extends life. The spice expands consciousness. The spice mm. is vital to space travel. Mm. Um, and so there are five locations, five key locations called strongholds on this planet. And if at any time you manage to control three of them, you control Dune. That's game over. You win. Sweet. Uh, you can also form alliances with the other players. There are certain key moments when you can make and break alliances. But once you form an alliance, you can't break it until another nexus comes up. Mm. Which means you're stuck with those people. Which means if they win, you win. And mm-hmm. if you win, they also win. To give you an idea, though, of just how important these special powers... What, what, so far, so basic. I mean, you're moving your units around. You're fighting. You're controlling mm-hmm. these things. Um All of that is actually quite simple. The complexity in Dune arises from the enormous asymmetry between these six factions. In order to properly play the game, you need the full rack of six players. Uh, House Harkonnen, House Atreides, the Emperor, the Spacing Guild, the Bene Gesserit Sisterhood, and the Fremen, who are the natives on this planet. They are so vastly different from one another. I mean, people think that Cosmic Encounter is a game where everybody's really, really different. And it is. Mm -hmm. But that's nothing compared to how incredibly differently the six factions in Dune play out. So this is if we we took six aliens in Cosmic Encounter and boiled them down and then deepened their backstories immensely. Very much so. That's actually a really good way to put it. And the and the complexity of the of the rules themselves, I would say, is about comparable to that of Cosmic oh. Encounter. Okay. Uh, a little bit more so. Now, the game does have its drawbacks. You don't know how long it's going to last. Right. Um, but let me give you just one example. My favorite faction, the Bene Gesserit Sisterhood. Here's one of the things that you do when you're playing that faction. At the start of the game, you're going to take a piece of paper. You're going to write down one of the other players' names, and you're going to write down a number. If that player wins on that turn either alone or as part of an alliance, they don't win, you win. Amazing. Which means, as soon as you start being really helpful to somebody, they get nervous. Which is exactly the way the Bene Gesserit are in the world of Dune. They're always there to help. They live. They exist to serve. They're totally not following an agenda of their own. 100% nothing to worry about. No agendas. Super not. Oh, so good. Hmm. So then, of course, uh, the Herbert Estate decided to be hostile to the whole game thing. And as a result, when Fantasy Flight Games got the rights to the game design, they were unable to get the rights to the world, which means that they reprinted it as something called Rex, which has mostly the same mechanics, but... Not the same. (sighs) But no Harkonnens, no Atreides, no Spice, no Sandworms, and I... So wait, they've reprinted the whole game and they've just changed like they changed the like thing. a find they, and replace they, they with the all factions. the nouns. Yeah, they use the factions okay. from Twilight Imperium. Okay. Which is uh, obviously it's, a, it's an IP that they own, that they developed, that they mm-hmm. control, and, it's, and they're not going to have to worry about somebody holding the purse strings on or right. yanking away from them. Right. So you can't blame them for doing this. But I don't want to play Rex. I want to play Dune. So even if you were to play Rex using the same faction that is the same as your beloved Ben, I would hate myself. I would want to die. I would. It, so you might you might suggest that you're a Dune fan. Um, You've read it once or twice. That's mm, you flipped through it. You, you, you keep it's on the You've top of the toilet. The, you just haven't made it through. You've it read yet. the Wikipedia synopsis. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, is a planet alien if it's Earth, just a different Earth from what we know? Is that an alien world? Yeah, I mean, like alien in the broader sense of like that so, topic so, is alien to me. I know nothing about it. Sure, sure. Like imagine somebody from 500 years ago. Mm-hmm. Coming to the world of today, this, oh, that'd be so this would feel like an alien world I'd be today. So confused. It's, I mean, how do you even begin to understand what today's world is? You grasp onto the things you recognize, like trees. 
I guess. People. Sorry, that was such a big question, and I'm just like, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about it, and I don't know what to do yet. Please tell me what you were getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. Um, there's another game that I'm thinking of about an alien world called Android. Mm-hmm. And the alien world in this case is Earth. It's just, in particular, it's, it's a city in, in, in Earth, which is not really something that we can easily recognize. It's a sort of a, a, a not medium, not too distant future, cyberpunk dystopia. Think okay. Blade Runner, but a lot shinier and in some ways a lot scarier because okay. of the technology has gone so much farther and questions of what humanity means are more, uh, I guess, frightening okay. than, the, even, than mm. even they are in Blade Runner. Um, Android really does give you a world to explore. And it's, it's again, it's this gigantic, crazy, epic game, which is really, really hard to play. But if you want to, tr- if you want to go somewhere else and be someone else, it's, it's, it's a really remarkable piece of work. I wish more people had had the chance to try it, because even though it doesn't necessarily succeed that well as a game design, mm-hmm. what it tries to do with creating a, a setting where it's really based not only on the world, but where the world is a character. These characters themselves have... They really have lives and inner demons, and it, it feels very noir as okay. well. It's a murder mystery. It's, it's a. Uh, so can, you're really selling me on this game, but I've heard some not so great things. Yeah, it's um, as game design wise, it's not um, successful really. Because if you if you play it to win, if you try to succeed, if you play it for anything other than sort of going along with the story and seeing what happens. Yeah, to these that's people, what I've heard too. Like yeah. the people I know that have played it, they play it for the um, the enjoyment of the ride, less so for the goal. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, think of it more as a Tales of the Arabian Nights type of thing, where stuff is kind of happening at you, except it's way, 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 way harder to play than Tales of the Arabian Nights. Oh, okay. So people people who like having control and strategy might not feel like they're playing a game so much as being dragged through a story. It's kind of all the work of a heavy strategy game with none of the control. Interesting. (laughs) I know. It's it's hard to say. It's just that it's so unique, and it does so many fascinating things Mm -hmm. with character and setting Mm -hmm. um it really does feel like an alien world even though it's planet earth Mm -hmm. so we we've talked a lot about what what the the like humanity of exploring space and our tiny speck Mm -hmm. of person or giant civilization as we like we like explore out into space and then what happens when we land on a place and the questions that that makes us ask about ourselves or about the places that we inhabit right Mm -hmm. now versus space what what is it about space board games that gives us so much to question about being a person? Is this unique to space-themed board games, or is this just because we're giant nerds? I think it's probably unique to space. I mean, space has this whole sort of... Um, because it's so big and so empty, there is questions of, like, mm-hmm. what do you do when presented with nothing and you have all the control? You know, I mean, you think of things like, oh, yeah, you know, if you were to... like, You know, like, thought exercises, like, you know, if aliens came to Earth and they were like, yeah, like bring us like 10 people to judge otherwise we're gonna blow up the planet like who do you bring like stuff like that like you're like trying to kind of like decide which parts of your present world and which parts of humanity are worth taking along with you right is the biggest thing right because like not everything's coming along Mm -hmm. space games also provide a set of assumptions which aren't necessarily clear from the outset because the intent of playing a game generally speaking is to win Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, whether a game is about space or anything else, there are going to be certain kinds of behavior, certain actions, certain decisions that are going to be more conducive to winning than others. Right. So if, say, for example, in a game like 
eclipse. Mm-hmm. The way to win is by sort of striking a balance between aggression and peaceful exploration. Mm-hmm. Then that's kind of equivalent, presenting the two as equivalent. If in a game like uh, Dune, the way to win is by being a ruthless politi- political Machiavellian manipulator, mm-hmm. then well, that's very, very appropriate for that setting, but that also carries with it certain assumptions. And it, it, it provides answers straight up. This is how you should be. This is what this setting is tell you, sh- telling you you should do. Mm-hmm. And I think in a way, the, 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 the way to question those things isn't so much to play the games as to play the games and also look at how your behavior, how your choices in that game determined your fate. Cool. That's fascinating and exciting about space games well obviously next to earth the closest planet you can go to is mars we're kind of having a mars moment in board games these days and also like in real life kind of are in a lot of ways you know well if you consider mars aries god of war type emily meant that people are exploring space and jonathan meant that people are being very warlike as would be related to mars the god of war Uh, and i mean that on friday we're going to talk about when in space board games you do stuff on mars yay we're going to mars Going to Mars. Coco, Emily, and Jonathan, going to Mars. Please, don't take us with you. (laughs) 